listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turek, Emily Yates, Kelsey Coons, and Gerard Cuomo. Each month, we discuss EMS news, medical science, and review actual EMS calls, bringing many educational opportunities to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of all involved. Hello and welcome, everyone. It is the Medic Materials Podcast, and uh, I must bring out one of the best sound bites ever. See if it'll work. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! (laughs) Hopefully we don't get a copyright strike for that. Uh, good old I, Bruce Buffer. Good old Bruce Buffer that sues everybody for uh, for using his catchphrases. But I did some heavy darn research into that one, and it should be good. Uh, so uh, this is one of the, the really cool things about uh, me having been relocated uh, from my old house to my new house. I can now, you know, we can live stream a whole lot more. And uh, we started the video podcast uh, a while back for the Patreons. And, um, and now we are going to bring the stream and the live show to the podcast. So uh, for everyone watching right now, awesome. Thank you for joining us here on the, uh, the inaugural uh, Medic Materials podcast live episode. This will happen every 1st and 15th of every month. Um, <laughs> Blaine, I cannot afford a lawsuit at all, um, even with my top hat and monocle from before. Um, but, uh, the chat, look at that big screen TV. (laughs) I know. Right. Um, so, uh, we must, we must do our, our, you know, our awesome intros. So for the, uh, the Maha Butchie with us today, without his Sultan hat, but still with the best theme song ever. I swear it's when the it's when the bass gets in there. It's great. Uh, so I, I enjoy it. I know it's it's wonderful. So, Mr. Maha, how are you on this fine Wednesday evening? Oh, doing good. Just throwing some food in my face, quick, you know. I know. You know those, late, those late shifts. I mean, you literally got in like six minutes before the stream started. So, thank you, thank you. Um, and uh, Mr. Phil Foundation, how are you, sir? How's it going? It's it's fabulous. Fabulous. Today is one heck of a great day. Do our little head smashing here. So uh, one of the, uh, as I was saying, one of the cool things is the regular version of the podcast doesn't change whatsoever. As soon as this stream ends... Uh, we're going to, I'm going to take it. I'm recording it. I'm going to, you know, edit it from, you know, into the MP3 version, and then it'll hit all the podcast platforms just like normal. But on the first and the 15th, if you guys want to join us, this is the way that you guys can join us and, uh, and interact with the chat. That's one of the things that I want you guys to do the most is as we go through our call reviews or our discussions, hit us up in the chat. I'm seeing it. You guys are seeing it on the screen. 
Uh, give us your thoughts, your ideas. What would you do in this case? You, if you're a follower of the podcast, you know I ask these guys a bunch of questions. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the coolest things that I can now see your guys' responses as we're, uh, as we're going through. Um, so if you guys did notice, uh, we are missing uh, the, uh, the Gerardo. Um, he's uh, kind of laid up right now. Um, with uh, some severe back pain, so he was unable to make it. But I'm sure he uh, he's heartbroken that he won't be able to make this episode. Um, but uh, we have our uh, let's see, where the heck is my soundboard here? Oh no, it's not on that page. I have like five things of sound. I can't wait for tomorrow because I'm getting my stream deck, and it's gonna go right there, and it's gonna be it's gonna be phenomenal. Um. So let's see if I can find it. Apparently, I didn't put it in. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> this is like I could have swore that I put in the music for the uh, the rig check music, but apparently I didn't. So there's gaff number one tonight, everybody. I'll I'll you know hit myself on the buzzer for that one. Um, but. Uh, the the regular patri- or you know the regular podcast people will be able to hear that because I'll edit it in. But uh, the rig check for today, uh, as we've already stated, today marks the new era for the show. Uh, going forward, all the shows from this for- like this point on are going to be live streamed uh, with the traditional MP3 version uploaded to all of the you know Apples and Spotify's and iHeartRadios and all the you know most popular platforms you already listen to us on. Uh, shortly after the live stream ends. Uh, we are asking you guys for for the continued help in getting us out there and helping us grow with medic materials. Share, interact with the stream, share the stream, you know, make sure if you're watching it, someone else might be interested in it too. So, uh, at, you know, if you are watching the stream, awesome. If uh, you listen to it later, Follow, rate, subscribe to the podcast platform. That helps us grow as well. Um, if you guys are you know, listening right this second to my voice going out to the stratosphere, you guys could be earning continuing education credit right now towards your next CFR, EMT, or medic research. So um, I want to you know, tell everybody the CME Academy, the Medic Material CME Academy is out there. You can earn C- CE credit just by listening to this episode as well as past episodes of the podcast. The link is in the description of this video as well as uh, all the uh, you know show notes and the audio stuff. Uh, we want to shout out to our newest Patreon, Joshua, and our listeners in Iceland and Alaska because we just got dumped on here in the, uh, the Northeast and I had to, you know, shovel out, I don't know, like 18 inches of snow today. Um, it, it helps that I have a 40 horsepower, you know, giant tractor, but, but it, there was a time when I didn't <laughs> and I would actually have to shovel that. Um, so, uh, Mr. Butch, you're talking to everybody yes, in the stream. So what up, um, Val, how are you? Um, so guys, I bring to you guys a call oh that I think you guys will be severely interested in. And, um, oh boy. and yes, and you know me, I saved the best for Patreon, but this one's <laughs> close. 
This one's not <laughs> Patreon worthy, but it's certainly close. So our system today is going to be a suburban town just outside of a very large metropolitan area. Now, this did not come from New York, so protocols and kind of things were a little screwy. Uh, equipment availability was also kind of screwy. Uh, so I think that's going to you know, lend itself to conversations down the road. Uh, the area is serviced by a town municipal ambulance uh, who staffs their ambulance with one EMT basic and one AEMT or, you know, EMT intermediate for those in New York State. So more or less like ALS light. A lot of them, they can intubate, they can start certain drugs, they can run a cardiac arrest by themselves, but, you know, they can't RSI, they can't do a lot of the other, you know, ALS-type medications. Um, if they do require a paramedic, however, there are multiple paramedics in fly cars scattered around the service district, you know, in, like, satellite stations. So they can always request a paramedic. Um, hospitals in the area, there's one hospital in the immediate area, a larger community hospital with a, within the ambulance district. It's only about 10 minutes away. And there's also another large urban hospital about 25 minutes away. Uh, you guys are going to be dispatched a Delta priority or priority one to a local apartment complex for a five, I repeat, zero five-year-old pediatric male, lethargic with altered mental status. Both the paramedic fly car and the intermediate level ambulance are dispatched to the scene. So for those that are new to the podcast, I always pause here and get your guys' thoughts about dispatch information and what you're already thinking. So I'm going to start off by asking you guys your thoughts, you know, in your mind when you get the pediatric call that's dispatched, but then even more so when it's like altered mental status plus lethargy. Well, everybody I mean, there's, there's so many things that could cause a pediatric to be altered. You know, are they hypoxic? Are they... You know, is their sugar low? Did they get into something that they weren't supposed to, like maybe a toxicology problem? So I think the way your assessment goes is a lot different than like an adult altered mental status, especially because, you know, what's altered, what's altered with the kid? It's not, you know, could they just be just not eating? Could they be, you know, just more fatigued than normal? It's, you know, kids are probably the hardest patient to have in the EMS setting. Yeah, especially like a five-year-old, you know, typically is not lethargic. You know, there's there's, yeah. a, there's a reason why this is happening, right? And yeah, it, it gives you a laundry list of kinds of things. It could be cardiac to, to respiratory to the moon, right? So, so Mr. Maha, what are you kind of thinking in this case? I, I, you know, I think the first thing you think of when you have a peace call is everybody's, you know, anxiety goes to from zero to you know, nth degree right off the bat, even though you have no idea what's going on. I mean, it could be, you know, a first time mom panicking because, you know, junior didn't get enough sleep last night and now he's just a little tired today to, you know, a febrile patient or, you know, diabetes, car yeah, cardiac, respiratory, anything in that gamut. But I think the thing we have to worry about first is our response to the scene because we're all going to be jacked. You know, the adrenaline is, is going to be pumping hard right now. So Yeah, and, and we kind of talked about that in the last episode when we had our pediatrics conversation. That's, that's a typical response, and we don't, we don't kind of have those conversations 
and we don't have that training in peds to really know when to, you know, like how to calm those emotions because we don't see it all the time. So when we don't, we're not exposed to it, our amp level goes through the roof. Um, so the, uh, the, you know, intermediate AEMT level ambulance arrives on the scene while the fly car still has about a 25-minute ETA to the scene. Uh, the EMTs grab uh, their first in bag while the, uh, the, e- the intermediate AEMT grabs the cardiac monitor and their ALS light bag. Now, in this, in this case, they are able to do an initial cardiac rhythm. They're not able to do 12 leads. And they, like, they can interpret, you know, oh, it's a sinus rhythm. Oh, it's a sinus tack. But they can't strap on a 12 lead and say, oh, okay, there's a STEMI. Okay, so that's one of the limitations and, and weird things from, you know, a New York standpoint. Um, so when uh, they, they grab all their stuff, they stack it on the stretcher, and they go ahead and enter the apartment complex. When they arrive at the apartment, they're let in by mom, who is currently holding her five-year-old son. She goes on to tell the EMS crew that yesterday her son came home from pre-K saying that his stomach was hurting. Uh, He took it easy the rest of the afternoon, not eating that much, but was able to drink some juice boxes. Uh, When she put him to bed last the previous night, so last night, she noted that he did feel a little warm, but nothing serious. Took a temperature, wasn't, you know, febrile, didn't have a fever. Uh, This morning, when she went in to wake him up to get ready for school, he felt super hot and was way more difficult to arouse than normal out of bed. So she decided she's going to do the old mom's trick that really doesn't work, but she's going to put him in the cool bath to try and cool the body down. Um, But became extremely concerned when he wouldn't stay awake in the bath and kept, like, slumping down the bathtub. So this is when she removed him from the bathtub before he, like, drowned and called 911. So with this kind of initial story... Where are your guys' thought processes going forward, and do you have, uh, like, a differential that you're going to try and work on? Did he belly hurting? Uh, did he fall down the playground? Did he, you know, injure himself on something in the playground? Did he roughhouse too much with kids, you know, belly trauma, things like that? Yeah, I think, um, I think trauma is one of the ones that we kind of don't think about a lot, too. You know, is is could this be a trauma of some sort? You know, and now he's now he's leaking into the leaking into the gut, which is giving you know the infection, which is you know blazing the fever. You know, right, right. What about you, Phil? I mean, kids are just a no offense, but kids are just a cesspool for infection. So, you know, one kid gets you know playing on the playground, you know, puts his hands in his mouth or something like that, and you know, there's so many communicable diseases in younger grades that maybe he picked something up that he's not vaccinated against. You know, could this be like maybe like a swollen, excuse me, like an inflamed pancreas, you know, maybe like an infection that originates in the abdomen. There's so many things that, yeah, you know, yeah. definitely like take a, do a very thorough abdominal assessment, check for like rigidity any like tenderness, you know, if you like press on a quadrant, does he wince in pain? Yeah, I think stuff like that. I, I think that's one of the things that you kind of alluded to before is that assessment is so key in peds. Like you can't just sit there and yeah. go, Oh look, they look fine. 
you really need to ask your, like, you know, super long laundry list of questions. You need to get in there hands on and really do a thorough exam on this kid. So and I think and I think the problem right now is you're looking at is, you know, kids can compensate for so long and this kid started to look sick. So now we're now we're in that danger zone with this kid. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, they're already altered. So how far <laughs> down the, you know, like compensation train did we really go before we got here? Right. Um, so this this intermediate AEMT actually does start to do their initial physical exam. And they find that this child is responsive to painful stimuli only, giving slight moans when giving a sternal rub. Um, they open the kid's airway, find no visible obstructions, clear of any fluid or debris. Uh, breathing is rapid with equal chest rise. Rate is estimated to be above 40 breaths per minute. Pulses are present but weakened at the brachial artery. Skin is very pale and, and super hot. Lung sounds are also checked right uh, at this point in time, which come back clear and equal in all fields. So, again, initial assessment, they kind of just went through the ABCs here, threw in some lung sounds as well. What are your guys' next steps, and what kind of questions do you need to be asking mom going forward? Definitely. What What's his normal? Like, how does he normally act? You know, could he have, you know... Not that I'm saying that this is what's causing it, but, you know, could he have like a de de sorry, developmental delay where, you know, he's, you know, nonverbal or, you know, does he have special needs that would impair an assessment for us? You know, that's yeah. like what? Well, not even not even just impair it, but will is his norm different than every other five year old's norm? You know? Yeah. Like, is he you know, is he? Does he have like autism? Does he have, you know, cerebral palsy, stuff like that, where a normal, normal, I'm going to say, because no patient's ever normal textbook wise. <laughs> right. Because they don't, they don't read our, our literature. They don't read they our don't, books. Like, no. Exactly. But, you know, could, or is he, you know, maybe immunocompromised where he's super prone to an infection or a bleeding disorder, like really focus on, you know, use mom or dad or whoever's there as, a reference to like, you know, what does he normally do? Like, how does he normally act? You know, is he up, you know, talking, playing with Legos or does he normally like sit in a chair all day? Like what, what is his normal? Right. No, 100%. I think normal, we have to establish baseline normal because realistically the, you know, responsive to painful stimuli could be yeah. normal for this kid. We don't Exa know, yeah. you know, like, I, go ahead. I still, want to know what I still want to know what happened yesterday, you know, that caused the initial not feeling well, you know, like, how did that happen, you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and, it's, like, and it's so benign, the, well, my, my belly doesn't feel good. Yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah, that could mean millions of things. Exactly. Like, that could be, you know, trauma. He could have gotten kicked by a horse, like, or it could be. He ate some, you know, rotten cheese at, at school that he traded in a lunch, you know, like it, it just is, it's weird. It's, it's very weird. Um, so also find out like, you know, bowel and bladder habits. Like, is he going to the bathroom normally? Like, you know, kids should go at his age. 
things like that. You gotta gotta watch out for those things too. Like with dark tarry stools, is the is the urine you know, that, that lovely uh, cranberry color we hate to see. You know, things like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Another thing is, you know, is does he have? You know, is he again like with the developmental stuff? Is he? You know, does he wear diapers or anything at you know an older age? You know, it could be urosepsis, could be something like that where. Go ahead. Oh no, you're good. I lost my train of thought. My bad. <laughs> I, I I was going somewhere and then it just my brain just shut off. My bad. He took a I... le- he look, took a left turn and now he's somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for the road signs. I have no idea where I am. I'm halfway in the field now. Hey, watch out! That's where cops beat people up. That's not a good place to be in the middle of the field. <laughs> right, right as past long as right past the stairs. As long as there's less than five of them, I'm good. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, All right. So, going forward, uh, the primary AEMT is conducting their initial exam. Their uh, partner, the basic EMT, begins to gather a full set of vitals while they do all of this initial stuff. Um, Blood pressure via the manual BP cuff returned as 60 over 20. Heart rate via the pulse ox probe is 180 with an SPO2 of 86% on room air. Uh, they take a full minute to actually count the full ventilatory rate, which comes back as 60 breaths per minute. They do also take a temp via a forehead probe, which shows 103.1 Fahrenheit. So it's probably like 110, knowing those oh, forehead I know. scanners. Those things are... And I, I don't know. Like they, The crew that sent this in just told me, forehead probe like they didn't say like if it was one of the zappy ones or one of the Mm -hmm. you know like i'm going to you know move it across your face kind of thing Um, so now is how did i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off turk but how how did the mom take his temperature yesterday was it the same like forehead scanner or did she have like a rectal thermometer uh so the mom took it via like the old under your tongue glass one, not okay. any of the newfangled ones. So, you know, yeah, cause I was going to say, you know, he could have been cooking this fever since yesterday. Right. And, and no one knows. Yeah. So, um, Butch, is there anything that, that is kind of, you know, uh, concerning in the vital signs that you're going to address mucho pronto with this kid? I mean, this fever, we're cooking this fever. This thing could lead to seizures on this kid. I mean, respiratory rate is 60. That's not so good for a five-year-old. So we need to work on bringing this down. I want to, I mean, we equipped to do a blood sugar just to make sure we're not, you know, working on some DKA going on here. So, you know what I mean? So this this crew is able to do a blood sugar. Uh, we, we talk a lot about blood sugars in this show, and I'm going to say 100%, no one on this call does a blood sugar. <laughs> oh my god really um yeah no, no one the the intermediate crew doesn't do it the als crew that eventually meets them no one does it no one anybody get an end title by chance on this kid nope <laughs> you think they'd get an end title if they didn't get a fucking blood sugar <laughs> you suck you ass. yeah no, nothing absolutely nothing at that point um, so the, uh, the, the primary AEMT begins to, you know, speak to mom a little bit more. 
attempting to gather, you know, some history here. And um, she tells him that her son has no medical problems, no, no medical history whatsoever, does not take any meds, and has no allergies to food or meds. Uh, she tells them that he eats regularly, except yesterday when he said his stomach was upset. She goes on to say that uh, he was still able to use the bathroom yesterday and doesn't believe that there was any issue with that. However, she doesn't know for sure because he uses the bathroom by himself. He's completely potty trained, just goes in, does his business, comes out. So, you know, she doesn't know. He didn't, you know, say, oh, hey, this is weird. Um, she doesn't believe that he got into anything, um, you know, like drugs or, you know, anything like around the house, bleach or anything like that. But again, since, you know, she can't know cause she was asleep. He might've woken up in the middle of the night and done something who knows. Um, but for the, you know, all intents and purposes, we don't really know for sure, uh, just yet. So meanwhile, while all this questioning is going on, the EMT basic places them on oxygen, non-rebreather mask, uh, 10 liters per minute. This increases his oxygen saturation from uh, 86% on the room air to 93% on the oxygen. So that's, that's fairly good. Um, the crew asked mom if he uses a car seat. She says no, he uses a booster seat. Um, and the crew then, you know, chooses instead to just secure them directly to the stretcher with the provided seatbelts. Um, they make their way down to the ambulance with mom and then go ahead and, and they ask dispatch for any update on their ALS fly car unit. Uh, dispatch comes back, tells the crew that their medic is about seven minutes away. Uh, so the crew chooses, okay, well, let's, let's begin the transport, intercept with their medic fly car on the way to the hospital. Cool. We always like when people don't wait. So kudos to them on that one. Um, you know, unless it's like the last one where they're going in two different directions, you know. Oh, my God. Seriously. Just, that's that, just a me thing, but. It, it, yeah. You know. uh, yeah, I'll meet you tomorrow, you know. Yeah. I'm going to take. I'm going to take the back roads. I'm going to go backwards and around. I'm going to go toward the mountains a little bit, and then I'll meet you. Right, exactly. Um, so... Take some seated pictures, you know, stop for coffee in Danish. What the hell? <laughs> hey, you don't need me anyway. No. You can do an IV and stuff. Absolutely. Uh, so the intermediate EMT connects the kid to the cardiac monitor. Uh, initial EKG, they say, is a sinus tack with a rate of 186. Um... Uh, they, they also run a blood pressure now via the NIBP cuff, uh, which returns as 57 over 23. SBO2 remains. Yeah, I, um, I don't uh, like those numbers. Okay. You know. All right. Give me, give me one second just to finish this, this sentence, and then we're going we're gonna to unpack that. Um, my bad, my bad. No, no, no. You're, you're good. Kelsey freaking interrupted me all the time. So I got a question. So I have a question. Uh, I, so <laughs> so uh, the SPO2 remains around in and around 93% while on the 10 liters oxygen. They forego doing any other interventions until the medic arrives as they can't like their protocol limits. They're not allowed to start IVs on peds in their system. What about IOs? They are not allowed to start any invasive procedures on peds, IOs, IVs, mm. unless they are in cardiac arrest 
as an intermediate in their system. So I, I know the, New York State's pretty iffy on that too with you know, like critical cares and down. It's like you have to call and ask, you know, mother may I? Right. But, yeah. I mean, right. Mm. So when this, you guys already don't like the looks of where this is going, right? We have a really no. high heart rate. We had a low SBO2. We have a high respiratory rate. We have a, a really low BP, especially for a five-year-old, right? And we'll, we'll kind of yeah. talk about normal vital signs for a, for a three- to five-year-old later. But when this paramedic arrives, if it's you guys, what is the, what is the first you know, steps other than assessment that you guys are going to do for this kid? Like where run is back, your... run, run back to my fly car and you know take the day off. Yeah, <laughs> should have called. Think to myself, I should have fucking called in sick today. Right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, no, no, I... sorry. Um, um, you BLS. It's fine. ALS. Yeah, right. It's good. This is BLS. This is BLS. Right. take it. Go. It's, it's it's great. It's fine. But I go ahead, Phil. I was gonna say. I mean, definitely get some access. Get some fluids on board. I mean the. Like normal heart, I know we said we were talking about earlier, but high end of the normal heart rate for a kid this age is like 140s. So, I mean, he's, you said what, 180, 188? 186 right now, yeah. 185, he's tacky, He's definitely tacky. He's hypotensive. I mean, you got to try it. Even if you don't slow that heart rate down to fluid, even boost that pressure up a little bit. So when that heart rate slows down, like, we said how pediatrics always compensate until they just can't anymore. Right. It's not going to tank the pressure as much as it would if you just let him sit. He's 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 already not compensating. He's he's, he's decompensating right now. Like this kid's dying right in front of us. Well, yeah, and, and you know it's going to get to that irreversible. You know he's going to become. I'm going to say sinus like dropped to like the 80s and then down to sinus Brady and yeah. then. So one of the things that you know. I, I've kind of been thinking through this whole thing is this there's how do I want to put this like the damn it Phil you you made me lose it now I'm sorry <laughs> um you guys always you, tell me just you tell me I have to talk more <laughs> and then now you're telling me to shut the fuck up I'm not I'm just I'm blaming you because I lost it you you losing it made me lose it um, maybe it'll come back to me eventually. Um, so we, we move on the, uh, the crew arrives at the intercept location with the, with the paramagician, uh, the, the medic enters the, the hospital, the parking lot, right? Nope. No. Nope. Nope. With a coffee and a Danish. Right. Absolutely. So the, uh, the medic enters the, the ambulance is given a report on the current presentation of the kid and kind of the, the, like the history of present illness, that HBI. I that I don't think there's much report given. He's looking, looking to go, oh, shit, and then right? just go away. Yeah, like, I, yeah, need, the minute, I need to work here. The minute I would walk into the rig and open those back doors and <laughs> see the monitor and the kid, I'd be like. Yeah, yeah, we're, yep. we're good. Just be quiet. I'm Thanks. good. Drive. Um, <laughs> let's, just, let's just go. Drive faster. Maybe, must drive faster. Um, drive faster. Maybe break some speed laws. <laughs> I I need you to shit at a hospital like yesterday. Right. Use all, use all the, everything woos you got. Let's go now. All, all the woos. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, you know, they, they give this, you know, full report and everything. And the medic tells the EMT basic who's driving, just go. Just like, let's, let's go. Yeah. Um, and 
they tell them to head to the large urban hospital, not this community hospital. Um, Now the community hospital is two minutes from where they intercepted the, the large urban medical center is 20 minutes from where they intercepted. However, they choose this and they said to me, because I was I didn't know anything about these hospitals, they said that the urban center has a large pediatrics department, like a PICU and everything, where the closer hospital, they kind of like if you bring a ped there, they'll dabble and then they kind of send them off to the other hospital anyway. So I think in all, good decision. Uh um, very appropriate. Yeah. Even with a really sick kid, it's still appropriate. So they uh, they begin the transport, and the medic began to get their equipment ready for starting an IV. They're like, yep, we need to fix the fluid problem, right? Uh, bring this heart rate down and this blood pressure up. Um, it's at this time that the patient began to have full-body, tonic-clonic, seizure-like activity. The, uh, the medic goes ahead with their IV attempt one attempt to the left AC instead of just grabbing their versed and hitting them IN or IM. They try and get the line, and because, you know, we all suck at this, they miss. No, of course they do. So, kids still seizing. On a floppy fish, you miss the IV, stop. Stop, right? Like, what? Unimaginable. Oxygen saturations are falling now to 81% while still on the non-rebreather. And the the medic thinks to themselves, okay, hey, I'm not going to be stupid a second time. And I'm going to, you know, not do another IV attempt, but I'm going to administer my versed IM this time. So they calculate their dosage. Their protocol says 0.1 mg per kg. Uh, the kid's roughly about 20 kilograms, so they drop two milligrams, administer the uh, the Versed intramuscularly. Thoughts for you guys thus far? I would have IN that kid. Yeah, intranasal would have. So I. You know, Butch and I, Butch and I have had this conversation where not only is it, you know, going to work faster intranasally, it's also a, you know, a crew safety you know, you, you have a kid that's in active seizure and your adrenaline's already spiked through the roof. You're, you know, you're not going to be able to keep your hand still, you know, only one wrong move and that's going into your hand. Yeah. So I'm kind of with you guys. Like there, there's a, I love intranasal Versed. I love it. I use it all the time. I haven't. I'm, I'm, I'm old school. We used to be able to do PR that you know right right yeah, and i i worked in, in a day. system where they were given um rectal valium not versed but valium for seizures mm-hmm. and you'd have to roll them over and you know yep. and you know it was that's what it was but yeah i love the intranasal mm-hmm. like i use it you know i've used it for like intranasal fentanyl and it mm-hmm. just doesn't it doesn't work as well for me, but the Versed works phenomenal. The benzos intranasally work amazing. We got all the capillaries right there, right in the nares, like right there, right to accept, you know, the meds. It's right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm posing this to the to the chat. 
I'm going to pose it to you guys. Do you guys have a differential that you're running off of for this kid right now? I'm going to, I'm leaning more towards the septic febrile. You know, I, I would love to have a blood sugar, but you know, I, someone I, decided, yeah, it's right. Now, you know. now, now hold yeah. on. What makes yeah, it, fuck it, what makes it worse? And if Emily was here tonight, instead of, you know, at work, she would be having a cow, but they didn't get it because the kid was altered. They didn't get it because we all suspect some form of sepsis. And then they also didn't get it post a seizure. So they had three opportunities to not suck. And you suck. Yeah. They still sucked. Like my, for me, if I go to a pediatric call and the minute someone says, yeah, he's not really acting himself. Boom. That's automatic. You know, take the kid's sock off, poke him in the heel of the foot, get a blood sugar. Right. Cause it's, one, that's an assessment tool. It's if it's, I find anything that I can fix. Boom. There you go. If it's normal. Okay. That rules out some things, you know, even with sepsis, you know, one of the findings is an elevated blood sugar because your body's trying to fight the infection. Right. Right. I, I still, I still like a blown out, blown out stomach. I, I think he did, did something, you know, playing and maybe ruptured, uh, ruptured his body or something. And, yeah. So and now he's, it's a fight on two fronts now. Right. Right. There could be leaking. It could be, you know, perf bowel, which now you're going to yep. get septic because of that, or maybe, you know, he's got a tiny liver lack. And he's bleeding into, you know, like who knows, you know, and and he's just bleeding. One of the, one of the things that, uh, it was brought up in the chat, Val brought it up. Uh, did they expose the stomach? Was there bruising tenderness or rebound? Uh, you know, you know, rebound pain and no, no, they did not. Um, so there's, there's another, another fail that I didn't even write in. Um, I like, when I was, you know, sitting here writing this, I'm like looking at, oh, nope, they didn't do that, but I never mentioned it. So awesome, awesome that the chat brought that in. Did they even did they even palpate it or no? No, they didn't touch it. There was there was nothing because he wasn't complaining of it. Now it just goes out the window. You know? And but, I think right now is that point where everybody's at panic mode. Yeah. Because this kid's this kid's crashing right in front of him. Now he's seizing Pressures are dropping, SPO2 is dropping, and everybody's in panic mode. So now they're just thinking, "Shit, get to the hospital!" Not, you know what I mean? Right. They're right. at that mode. Yeah, and that's they were they were they were already at panic, and now they're hyper panic, and now it's just like, uh, you know. Is the is the AMT in the thinking. back with the medic, or the, is it just the medic alone? Nope. The AEMT is with the paramedic in the back. The BLS EMT is driving. So at least so they, they got crash and hit a train and you know. <laughs> Welcome to the surprise Patreon episode. <laughs> uh, you all owe me five dollars to be a donut. So um, about <laughs> about, uh, about a minute and a half, two minutes after the admin of the Versed, the seizure activity begins to slow and then stop altogether. Awesome. Mom goes ahead, you know, in her freaking panic mode, tells the crew that her son doesn't have any history of seizures. Like this is not normal. Uh, medic rechecks vital signs, blood pressure via the NIBP cuff goes up a little, 
Uh, it goes up to 65 over 33, but we all kind of expect that being the fact that they just had a seizure, right? Yeah. Heart, heart rate, though, comes down to 160. Sinus tax still on the monitor. Respiratory rate also has decreased from in the 60s to now uh, spontaneous in the 40s. Oxygen sets tank to now 78% on the 10 liters oxygen. So take them off, take them off the non breather and just bag them. Bingo. Agreed. So absolutely 100%. This is one of those where kids are going to, you know, kids are respiratory in nature when they code. This kid's heading that direction, right? Um, You have to prevent it as as much as you can. As quickly and as aggressively as you can, 100%. So get a BLS airway in there at least right now while you can and then start bagging. Yeah. Yeah. And at this have point, the, have the AEMT bag and. Yeah. I, I think like the, the BLS airway, you know, the kids more or less unresponsive, I'm sure, after yep. the seizure. Why not? Have at it, give it a whirl. Right. And, um, and this AEMT, this intermediate does exactly that. They grab their bag valve mask, their nasal airways. Um, they place the nasal airway successfully on the first try and they begin to assist the, the patients already to Kipnik rate. Like I said, it's now in the forties, um, you know, spontaneous and they're kind of breathing with them, throwing in a couple extra breaths here and there, but trying to stay on that three to five seconds. Um, heart rate is starting to now fall into the 50s while all this is going on, right? Medic again attempts a, uh, a IV, this time to the right AC. Again, Fuck the IV. unsuccessful. Just, just drill this kid. This kid's way too sick for you to be fucking poking him with all these needles. His vasculature is shot. Just His blood pressure is not supporting, you know, a good vein to poke at. Get some fluids exactly. into before you try to stick a vein. Maybe. And, I mean... A lot of people throw the excuse of, well, it's, you know, it's barbaric, you know, it's, you know, we don't want the, exactly. I, you know, explain to the mom, I have to do this to, to save your kid's life. No, 100%. I like, this is one of those cases where, you know, even if this is a system that you're not allowed to drill a peed without doc's permission, this is one of those quintessential times where you call a doc and you say, Hey, yo, doc, um, sorry, right, doc, here's what we're going to do now. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, Hey, as, as I'm getting it out, the, you know, the phone's on my shoulder and I'm like, yep. Hey doc. Uh, yep. Everything's connected. Yep. Hey, I'm going to do this. All right, cool. Like as I'm hanging up. <laughs> or I mean, even I know it's not recommended, but it's that ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Like I'm sure, you know, maybe a little sit down with your medical director is better than being pulled in front of, you know, a whole committee of doctors saying, why didn't you do this? Yeah. And if you use the excuse, oh, well, you know, I didn't want to waste time calling. That's not going to work out too well for you. No. No, it's, it's not. It's better, it's better than mom it's, picking out coffins. Yes. It's exactly. I'd, I'd much rather risk my card to know that this is going to help my patient than worry about the logistics of having to call, you know, a medical control, get an order, and, you know, knowing our luck, it'll be a fucking first-year resident who's never spoken to a medic before and ask you, you know, thousands of questions. Oh, well, have you been trained to do an I.O.? 
then just, I mean, yeah, we could just do what Butch does and give me your attending. Yeah, <laughs> get, but, put your dad your, on the phone. Give me your dad. <laughs> put me put your dad. parents on the phone. This is big boy conversation. Oh, but I mean, it's so, I have it's I so have been known to do this before. Yeah, we, I, I mean, was we a witness for multiple of them. We all have, and it's it, you know, it's it's one of the things that gives me joy when I call the doc. Like you can hear, like, yep, nope, I like you are bypassed. See you later, goodbye. Yeah. I need somebody at a higher, higher level than than you. you know, um, in the minute area, the they, they number starts number, with one, and you're like, just give me, just, just give me your attending. Yeah, we're we're just good here. Up the food chain. So, I I kind of want to get your guys like overall thoughts so far, in like how do you think this call is going, overall, like horribly. How so? Like, I okay. I think they started off trying to do the right thing, and then they realized this kid is a way is 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 way worse than they thought he was, and then everybody just went ah, and you know, and now and now it's just a, it's just in that shit storm, that quicksand tunnel just going down the drain, and do you it's think? Not good now. Do you think that we've kind of talked about it before on the show in that like when providers don't know what to do they kind of just fixate on a task that mm-hmm. doesn't really matter do you think that the medic kind of fixated on the iv as okay well i don't know what else to do i have to yeah. do this so i'm just gonna fixate on it mm-hmm. i mean it's I something mean, to kind of think about in the yeah. back of our heads you know I mean, yes. Does does the does the kid need the fluids? Does he need you know a route for medications in case shit goes south? Yes, but there's you know other things that you you gotta fix. You know the seizure, the respiratory rate dropping, the SpO two dropping, all that other stuff. Yeah, there's 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 so many different little aspects of the call that I think were either handled completely inappropriately or just missed. It was a missed opportunity. So we're, we're almost through. We're, we're very close. Uh, now, short transfer I, time. I like it. What's up? Did they, I know the kid can't tolerate Tylenol, but did they put a couple cold packs like under the arms by the groin, you know, face to try and cool this kid off a little bit or no? Um, what do you think? I'm going to say no. No. Of course not. <laughs> I mean, I, I had to bite my tongue. I was going to say that they put the kid on ice, but that makes me sound like a horrible person. So <laughs> we're working on that right now. Probably on least the hospital, but you know. So um, the uh, the AEMT continues to bag this kid. Uh, saturations do increase with the assisted ventilations. They they're able to ba- bag this kid all the way back up to ninety four percent. Phenomenal. Like they but are we still at that forty rate though, or are we trying to bag him so bag him right down? So mm. I they're mm. in the they're in like the fifty to fifty-five range. They're they're not bringing him down. They're kind of just like I said, staying with that forty because he's spontaneously breathing on his own, but also because they're amped, I'm sure, they're throwing yeah. extra ones in there. Right, which I'm sure isn't helping the gastric distension, uh, you know. That's already problem. going on. Right, you know. Um, so they get him back up to 94%. Um, 
the heart rate also increases from uh, around the 150 range all the way back up to 175. Still sinus tack on the monitor. Again, ventilations are counted in the high, you know, mid to high 50s. So, Do you have a question? Yes, Phil. So you have a question. I do. I, I, you know, to say, so I have a question. So I have a question. There you go. And I probably ought to know the answer. Did they do a 12 lead? Did I tell you they did a 12 lead? You know, Derek, you're really hurting my heart here a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I don't leave anything out of these things, guys. Like if, if I don't read it, it didn't happen. Just saying. Um, so the, the, because it's a short transport time, thank goodness for this kid. Um, the crew arrives at the hospital. They unload the kid into the ER, uh, where the staff places the IO because they're like, fuck this. We're, we're just going to IO this kid. Um, and the docs there also decide to RSI this kid, which they end up performing successfully after a fluid bolus. Um, and then ultimately he's admitted, uh, later on that evening. And the only update that I have for you guys is he was, uh, admitted to the pediatric, uh, ICU for sepsis. I don't know what caused the sepsis, but that's where this was going. Um, you know, with the fever and with all the other signs and symptoms, we kind of assumed that this was where this was going. Uh, at least I think us three did. There were a couple people yeah. in the chat that were like, yo, this is screaming sepsis. Um, but you know, I, I always, you know, after all these calls, I always ask, you know, overall from start to finish, how did that go? Like, I think it, I'm, I'm really glad that the kid held on as long as they did. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they missed so many opportunities. It became more and more dangerous. I would have really liked to have seen them put in, you know, a, a you know, tibial plateau IO on this kid early on. Yes. As soon as the medic got there, boom, give them fluids, you know, like, boom. And, boom. Then, and then try and, you know, increase that pressure. Increasing that pressure is then going to decrease the heart rate. And if he'd done it soon enough, it may have helped, not a lot, but, you know, some fluids may have cooled him down a little bit, you know, kept him from seizing. Right. Plus he would have access for the Versed when he did seize. Right. You know, and these are the... Go ahead, Phil. No, go ahead, Tarek. I I was just going to throw in there, like, there are systems out there that have, um, you know, IV... you know, antipyretics, Tylenol, Mm -hmm. you know, ibuprofen, and they can do it IV, right? Um, Our system doesn't allow that. New York doesn't allow that. Uh, But there are other states that do. And, you know, they're in, they're written into the sepsis protocol. Like, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to give, you know, X amount, you know, IV Tylenol. I want you to give fluid. And I want you to also start this antibiotic. I think, you know, like that's aggressive and awesome and really could have done some significant help for this kid. Just a thought. Yeah, the the thing that, you know, bothered me a little bit was the IV attempts. Like in school, they just said, you know, if you ever have to get access on a kid, 
it's probably bad enough to just do an IO and and leave it. You know, kids' veins are very fragile. This kid is, you know, shit on the look test and everything like that. I yeah. mean, I would have had he seized. I would have given him the verse at IN and then just done an IO, not even worry about, you know, dicking around with poking the kid twice. No, and, you know, again, we talked about it last last show in that we don't see these kids. We don't see sick kids all the time. And how often do we realistically practice IVs on peds? We don't. don't. You do your end of the year turnaround and that's it. Yeah, but even then, it's like, I I mean, what really practice-wise did you do? You know, they don't bring a pediatric arm to paramedic school. You practice on the same arm that you would. Over and over and over. Right. You know where they're, you know, you know how that's going to go. Yeah. Kids yeah. are tough. When you, see, when you see the skin all torn up, you're like, oh, just go there. Oh, look at that. I oh, got flash. Yeah. Bingo. The or, red food colored water is coming back. Look at that. Dude. And, and not even that, but like, you know, my paramedic program there were times where we had red fluid and then there were times where the red fluid didn't work and they were just like, yeah, that looks like you're in, you got flash. We, yeah. I Can you been, flush it? Boom. Perfect. Yeah. I could have been, you know, a, a mile away putting it in somebody's eyeball. Hey, yeah, you're, you're in You're gold. How is that helpful? You know, it, it's the, the way we practice with peds is abysmal. It's Absolutely. really sad. You know, so we're not prepared for when these these really sick kids show up on our doorstep and we're like, oh, my God, they're really sick. Oh, my God, they're going to crash on me. What should I do? And I mean, even in school, you know, since I'm fresh out, quote unquote, it, you know, they would always tell us, you know, you have a sick kid, just beat feet to the hospital do this if you have the time or if you can not this is what you have to do yeah and again how is that helpful you know yeah i get it like you know emts they should be taught okay you have a really sick person you need to beat feet to the er but paramedics should be taught the opposite hey you have somebody with you know 10 on 10 toe pain and it's three o'clock in the morning. Okay, beat feet to the hospital. Like, just get back in service. But if they're really sick, take some time on scene or in your truck to stabilize that patient before you actually start transporting. We have the ability exactly. to stabilize in place. Yes. You know, take that opportunity if you're a paramedic. If you're an EMT and you're over your head, yes. Rapid transport, beat feet to a paramedic or definitive care. Exactly. But as a paramedic, we shouldn't be doing that. You know, I'm not saying stay there for an hour, but you can sit there for 15 minutes, get a cardiac monitor, get a blood glucose, get a full set of vitals, start your, you know, your fluid resuscitation, then move them out of the house. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think, yeah, I mean, like most of my pediatric calls were, you know, I got experience from the call. You know, you get a, a relatively sick kid because I'm just a, you know, fucking black cloud apparently. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I 
do what I can, you know, refer to the protocols, you know, the textbook of like, you know, the interventions and stuff, get them to the hospital and then like sit down and have a conversation with the doc. Like, Hey, like what else could I have done? You know, what should I expect to see, you know, with this, but you know, 90% of medics are just like, Oh, you know, a sick kid. I'm no, I'm no pedi- pediatric doc. Let's get him to the hospital. Right. <laughs> Fire medics. <laughs> mm, sorry. Oh, Ouch. Damn. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, so, uh, in my, in, in my, you know, uh, in, in closing here, I just want to, you know, hit a couple of the, the educational facts that, that I, you know, scratched down here for this episode. One being, you know, the, the statistics around how severe sepsis really is, right? I think at least in the EMT realm, you know, I think the paramedic program does a fairly okay job in saying sepsis is really bad and we need to take it seriously. I think yeah, especially e- when they, sorry, I don't mean to keep cutting them no, off. No, no, you're fine. Um, especially like that textbook, you know, hypotensive tachycardic because they're already working their way towards the irreversible. Right. I think where the, the education really falls flat is at the EMT level. There is like one page on sepsis in the EMT book. And that's it. And it, that needs to change. Like, that needs to have a drastic change. So, sepsis by the numbers. One in five die worldwide from sepsis. Ow. One in five worldwide die of sepsis. Right? 1.6 million cases of sepsis just last year in the United States. One million of those 1.6 were hospitalized cases. Wow. 270,000 of those uh, 1.6 resulted in the death of the patient last year alone. This one, these two next ones blew my mind. You are eight times more likely to die if diagnosed with with sepsis while in the hospital. Like, what? That blew my mind. Holy fuck. Right? This one's even more scary. Right, go to the hospital. There you go. Right? This is why old people are scared of going to the hospital. They, they're in the to kill you there. Just fucking leave me at home. Like, Let me die in peace. They're not even they're joking. Gonna, they're going to kill like, you there. Exactly. So this one is even more scary. One half of all of the deaths counted for United States hospitals are due to sepsis. You go to the hospital, you're eight times more likely to die because of sepsis. And you're ha- like they're half of every death. All the deaths in U.S. hospitals are due to sepsis. That's bonkers. Right. So we really need to put a focus on understanding the, the markers for sepsis. If you feel like you have a patient that is showing signs and symptoms that they could have a possible, you know, infection of some sort, you should be looking for sepsis markers. There's, there's six of them in total five of which we can actually determine in the EMS setting. Temperature changes, whether they're hot or cold, 
right? They could be hyperthermic like this kid was, or they could be hypothermic. And the, and I and right. I heard like generally if they're hypothermic, usually they've worked through that fever part and now they're on the and now they're, they're, they're of the of succumbing to the infection. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So cold sepsis is worse. Yep. Um the tachycardia, right? Anything any heart rate over 100 beats per minute. Um at least at the adult level. Uh kids, it's dependent on age. Hypotension. Anything, you know, below that 100 systolic. Hyperglycemia. So remember to check blood sugars if you think that it could be sepsis. Stop. And why are blood they... Blood sugars? No. No. And why are they going to be hyper or high glycemic? Phil, you want to take this so I don't have to talk some more? That's all right. Okay, go ahead. So... They're hyperglycemic because their body's working the energy. Your body's producing energy to help fight the infection. Bingo, right? Which cells are kicked into overdrive, which causes them to dump glucose to help, you know, help power going on all that fun stuff. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you, Doc. Bingo, right? So hyperglycemia. Um, the altered mental status. Right. The altered mental status is a big one. Right. And if you so that's five of them, the temperature change, high and low tachycardia, hypotension, hyperglycemia and the uh, altered mental status. If you have three or more of those five. Treat and call a sepsis alert because they are probably septic. Right. The sixth one that only the hospitals can treat, but we get exposed to it if we're doing um, patients out of like nursing homes and stuff where we have paperwork is elevated white uh, blood cell counts. So that just, you know, that's blood work finding. If you get a packet of paperwork and it's like, oh yeah, they have an elevated white count of, you know, 4 million. It's like, oh, okay, well they have the presence of an infection. That would be, Mm -hmm. that would be a marker. We don't typically see a lot of that, but just keep it in the back of your mind, right? Pediatric causes of sepsis. The numero uno reason why kids get sepsis is pneumonia. This They at least listen to, um, to lung sounds. That's great. But if you can rule out pneumonia, there's got to be something else. So maybe it's that perfed bowel. Maybe they ate something and they got a worm somewhere or a viral thing somewhere. You know, kids are Petri dishes of grossness. It's vile how many times they get sick. Especially Um, at that young age, they put everything, you know, they don't know any better. They push it in their mouth, you know, they're touching everything. They don't wash their hands. Exactly. Right. Um, We kind of talked about it, right? Phil, you brought it up a lot that compensated versus decompensated. Right. Where that, you know, when you start to see that blood pressure tank and the patient become altered, you've already gotten into decompensated shock. Right. So even the only way to place to go from there is irreversible. Exactly. If you if you don't fix it. Bingo. So interventions must be done rapidly here. You have to attack this. And, you know, like. We all think, oh, okay, well, you know, they're altered and, you know, they, they're, you know, their pressure's like 96 systolic, 
you know, they're not that bad because they're, you know, their their heart rate's only like one twenty, and you only one twenty. It's all right. But but how many providers that you guys know would be like, yeah, they weren't that bad because they don't oh, really, a ton of them. they don't they don't see, you know, those little things as being, oh crap, they're in decompensated shock, like that's really bad, you know, where like one of us might come in and be like, oh man they're decompensating already. I have to take this a little bit more aggressively, you know? Yeah. Um, my, my biggest thing is, especially with the nursing home in the district that Butch and I work in, you know, if that I know we joke around about it a lot, but like that pungent UTI odor mm, for me, yummy. that's, that's a marker, you know, there's obviously an infection. So if they have that and like an elevated blood sugar, or if they have that, and if they're tachycardic, then I'm going to start, you know, my sepsis treatment and then, you know, rule some other stuff out. Yeah. And, you know, I get, I get shit from nurses all the time. Like, oh, well, he's not septic. Why'd you, why'd you do fluids and all this? Well, you know what? Next time I just won't put an IV in. All you got, all you got to do is say one, say a couple words. They're coming from so-and-so. Yeah. They're coming from uh, X facility. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. We got you though. Why are they half dead and drooling? Oh, yeah, this oh, is where God. they live. Yep. They were fine 10 minutes ago. Right. They gave them their medication. Meanwhile, they're, you know, sitting in the recliner like this. So you go to roll them over out of bed and they just. Oh, uh, so just did yesterday would have to do Levo on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it, and that's it. Like, you know, sometimes we just have to treat aggressively and that's okay. Um, I called the doc. Called doc. Said doc. I, 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 I'm, I'm doing this because of this. Uh, oh, okay. Well, continue with fluids too. Oh, no shit. Yeah. I'm doing that. Well, thanks, thanks, doc. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so very much. Um, okay. Bye. I'd much rather. I'd much rather be told that I'm treating too aggressively than ever be told you didn't do something. Right. You didn't do enough. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, I want to touch base too a little bit. You, you talk about you know the altered mental status, and I think sometimes providers have a hard time with where that line is like <clears throat> sometimes you walk in and even if the you know like for a child but for an adult too like you did a whole you did a whole thing about avpu yeah and you know i kind of joked around a little about that but it's you're acting like a little confused a little bit you know that's a little altered i'm not too worried about that right then but when they're lethargic not talking to me you know unresponsive painful stimuli that's when alter becomes a problem yes Agreed. You know, there's definitely levels of bad in how altered yeah. they are. Yeah, 100%. Um, so the the last thing that I, that I was going to, you know, talk about was just normal vital signs. I'm not going to go through all of the vital signs for all the kids. I did a YouTube video on that. Go to Medic Materials YouTube. You could find it. Um, but specifically for that, you know, preschool age kid, that kid that we were dealing with today, that three to five-year-old, three to six-year-old, Respiratory rates should be somewhere between 20 and 30. This kid was 40 and above, 40 to 60 the entire call, right? Heart rate should have been anywhere between 80 and 120 normally. They were 180s, right? So we were definitely super tachycardic with this kid. Blood pressure, uh, systolic blood pressure should have been anywhere in the 80 to 110 range. And we were 60s and 50s. Now, one of the things that um, I don't think is talked about enough is you can calculate 
hypotension in kids, where that number should be. Um, and if it's lower, be like, oh, okay, yep, that's that's hypotension, right? So if you take the equation 70 plus their age in years and multiply it by two, so age in years times two, add that to 70. So this kid, their hypotension calc would have come out to 80. They were five years old, multiply that by two, that's 10. 70 plus 10 is 80. So anything less than 80 systolic would be considered hypotension for this kid, right? And we can use that for kids to know like, okay, is this neonate hypotensive? Is this nine-year-old hypotensive? I just don't think it gets talked about enough. I, I think, um, you know, I think I'm going to even start teaching this to my EMT students. Because so I how do you do even, that in months, though? Like, he's three months old. Um, I don't know if it goes down to months. Um, I mean, I get it if it's a year, but you know, yeah, right. months is kind of difficult. Like, it, that might be, like, neonate resuscitation type stuff that I didn't research for this. There one. is there is an app. I'm going to look to see if they have it. It's called MD calc. And I know they have a bunch of like calculation, you know, calculations that you can pick. I don't know if they have like, um, like a neonate one, right. But I'll look real quick. And so, so is there anything else uh, as we, you know, wind the show down that you guys just kind of want to touch base on any last thoughts for our over, over, you know, conversation today? Which, while he's looking that up, I'll go to you. Well, I, I, like I said, I think you, you touched on it the, the last episode. And just again here, yes, kids can make you panic, but you still have to take your time. Think about, think through what you need to do for this kid. Make them, you know, and, and do what you can to make this kid better. I mean, yes, they're scary, but you, you got to do stuff. I mean, yeah, take your time. Think about it work through this kid but you do have to act with some speed too especially when they get to to this kid's level you have to work with some speed but yeah you you just can't panic and be like oh that's it let's go to the hospital i'm done right right okay i can't do anything else and one of the things that i wanted to address i just kind of look back at the chat uh now that we have a chat i have to remember that it's actually there um but uh one of the things that was brought up a, a question you know could a sneaky trauma can you know can that cause sepsis absolutely depending on what the trauma does you have different you know toxic fluids in your body like bowel fluid and you know stomach fluid and stuff like that that if that you know stuff gets out into the you know into the bowels or into the abdominal cavity and out into the rest of the body it 100% can cause sepsis um you know trauma if you get a piece of shrapnel that's, you know, thrown into your body that has diseases on it, you know, that could cause sepsis and an infection. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Trauma is not one of those things where you're just like, Oh, it's trauma. It can't be an infection. You know, it absolutely 100% can, you know, people can get an open, open sore. That's technically trauma, but then they wind up with, you know, sepsis because the sore gets infected and, you know, it lets stuff in and, it, it's it's terrible and gross. Um, Phil, did you find what you were looking for? 
No, it just so they do have um like a pediatric hypotension guideline, but it's really just you know, it can only be used for children aged one to seventeen. Gotcha, gotcha. Um and it, it so it only works with patients a year up. So I will I will look into it and I will if I find something I will make a post about it and put it up on the the you know Facebook page and Instagram and stuff like that um, you know as one of the daily posts. Uh, is there anything that you just kind of wanted to you know end with Phil before I I wrap up tonight's show? It, my thing is you know like talking about access on a kid. Like I said before, yes, an IO, it's brutal for even an adult. But sometimes that's all you're able to get. And if, if the kid needs it, then, you know, tell the mom, like, hey, just so you know, this is what I'm going to have to do. Right. Yes, it looks brutal. Like, I know a lot of agencies, they don't have the I easy IO drill. They have the jam sheeties, which, you know. It, yeah. Which looks oh. horrible to oh. a parent when you're sitting there grinding a needle into the kid's bone, but but if that's you know, the only way, that's the only way. Like it's just yeah. I'm it. not I'm not gonna sit there and poke this kid five times, you know, no. trying to get access where I can when I can just take take a you know a bigger needle out and push it through. And you know, if the parents tell the hospital or anything, you know, the, this medic abused my kid. It, it's then, not it's saving it's helping them right again it's it's better to you know cause a little bit of pain and save a life and do something that you know is beneficial than mom picking out caskets as the maha said earlier you know i think it's that, that teachable moment with mom just like mom listen I, I need to do this it's gonna be very beneficial to your you know to junior here because if i don't do this Junior's going to be in a very bad way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. like, you know, take it out and show him, take it out and show him like, you know, this is what is going to be, you know, in the bone. This is how, you know, you put it in. I wouldn't even go, and, I wouldn't even go that far. I would just say this, this thing right here, it's going in as like, I need to do this for fluids or else he's, he's not going to be with us much longer. That's what I'm doing. Poof. And be done with it. Yep. There's no, I don't need, you don't need to go into like a, a, a three hour dissertation with what you're doing. You just, you just do it. And then afterwards you can have a chat with mom when kids starts feeling better. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so awesome, guys. Thank you for all the, uh, the wonderful information. Um, guys, as always, thank you for joining us uh, on the, uh, the podcast here. Um, we, uh, we officially ran over 17,000 downloads on the, uh, on the podcast. It's going to be great now that we have the video. You guys, you know, put a bunch in the chat tonight. Thank you again for that. Um, again, this should be going up on all the streaming, you know, like podcast networks shortly after the show here. Um, and, uh, we will see you on the first of the month, but if you're interested, we also do a Friday night live stream every single Friday called end of tour live. Uh, it's with, you know, the four of us, Emily, I think is going to miss this week, but she'll be there next week. Um, and, uh, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a ball of fun. We kind of touch on some, you know, serious topics, but it's a lot of fun kind of just, you know, ease out of the week, you know, the hard week of EMS and, uh, you know, just having, you know, a good old time with, you know, good friends and, uh, and then, you know, the chat makes it all that much better. So check us out on that. And, uh, again, don't forget to, uh, 
to check out the podcast on all of the uh, the streaming networks. You can see all the you know old ones as well as the uh, Medic Material CME Academy, where you guys can you know get good uh, you know CE credit. So till next time, guys. Thank you. Stay strong. And I guess since Gerard's not here, I will lead us out and do uh, the Pediatric Kids Donuts. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like more information on the podcast or to send us a call to review, visit medicmaterials.com forward slash podcast. To learn more information, like us on Facebook at Medic Materials EDU or watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.